Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show here on WLCB 101.5 FM, airing from the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. I'm your host, Doris Nagel. Every week, we host different guests to talk about all sorts of aspects of entrepreneurship and business. I do this because I'm a crazy entrepreneur and I've not only helped lots of entrepreneurs over the years through my law practice and consulting businesses, but I've also started or helped start at least nine different businesses. And oh boy, have I made a lot of mistakes along the way. So my passion is to share what I've learned and to find other experts and guests who come on the show to share their advice and insights. As always, I welcome your comments, your questions, suggestions. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about, you have an issue or a challenge, or you just want to be a guest or maybe share a great resource, email me anytime at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakes, plural, lakesradio.org. So I promised you a weekly guest and a weekly guest we do have. I'd like to introduce, without further ado, our esteemed guest, Randy Rice, who is the founder of a company called Shirley Signs. It's a local Chicago area business. Shirley Signs is a manufacturer of custom-made high-quality impact signs. They make both interior and exterior signage for things like trade shows, lobby signs, murals, their customers range the gamut from sports teams, schools, fundraising events, nonprofits, shopping centers, construction sites, and commercial. Now, just a few words about Randy himself, who's the president and the founder. Randy says he grew up around sign making, but he went in a slightly different direction. He got a degree in electrical engineering, no less, from San Jose State. So I guess, Randy, you must be good at those flashing neon signs and other high-tech electrical sign. Just, I'm just teasing you. Then he successfully led customer service, operations, and tech support divisions for a number of major companies such as Canon, Baxter, Young Innovations, and IDEX. Just a few words about Randy as a person. He loves his kids, his grandkids. He loves all sorts of sports, music, acting, and all animals. Acting I know about because he, like me, is part of a group called the Kirk Players Community Theater, which I hope we'll have just a few minutes to chat about today on the show. But not only that, he's been a background actor on numerous TV shows like Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, and currently serves on the board of directors at the Kirk Players Community Theater. With that introduction... Randy. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's uh, very exciting. It's great to have you. I think the first natural place to start is to just tell us a little bit more about your business. How'd you get into it and and what's the story behind the name of the company? Okay. Well, I, I appreciate the introduction. I think you covered a lot of it. Um, as you mentioned, I have a company that we design and manufacture signs. Primarily, I, I try to help businesses and people in Lake County to get recognized and get their message out there by providing them custom signage that's uh, of high quality and is also affordable. Yeah. So 
I went straight into uh, corporate America right after college. And then after a 30 year career, uh, I decided to take my skills and my knowledge and start on a journey building my own business. Good for you. When did you decide to do this? When did you start Shirley Science? It was about a year ago that I made the decision to do this and then uh, went through a, a number, a process of, of exploring different opportunities and uh, finally arrived at uh, the sign making business. I know there from your reading your website that there's a story behind the name of the company. Share with our listeners that that great story. Oh, absolutely. My uh, my mother, Shirley Rice, uh, was a commercial artist. And she also painted signs on, on windows, uh, posters, banners, all the way from when she was in high school, almost up to till the very day she passed away. And she called her business Shirley Studios. So I changed the spelling from her name, S-H-I-R-L-E-Y, to S-U-R-E-L-Y, like, Shirley, you can't be serious. And I yeah, am. Don't, don't call me Shirley, right? <laughs> don't Sorry, call I'm me Shirley, myself. exactly. <laughs> I'm dating myself. But, um, <laughs> But it's a it's an homage to her creativity and her passion all those years. So even just growing up, I helped her out with she painted the signs and the windows, doing deliveries for her and, and kind of interfacing with uh, her customers as she uh, she had her career doing this. You mentioned that you looked at a number of different opportunities. Were all of them in the sign? The, the no, sign actually. Thing? No, actually, this was kind of a, a surprise for me, but I, I looked at a number of different opportunities. In my career, I have done everything from, I did a number of things in uh, my career. I started as an electrical engineer, fresh out of college. Um, I was also a trainer. I was a, a field technician. I ran a support center, did a technical support center, billing call center, did a number of leadership roles in a number of Fortune 500 companies. Probably the last 10, 10 to 15 years of my career, I was leading customer service organizations. Interesting. Were you influenced, do you think, to land in the sign business because of your work with your mother and her work at, with signs? Or was that just a coincidence, do you think? Well, I think uh, besides the family connection to art and signs, and by the way, my sister is a, is a graphic artist as well, but 23 years of my career, I worked for a company, as you mentioned, Ose, which later became part of Canon, and they made printers, plotters, and uh, some of the machines that manufacture some of the large format copies and prints that a lot of the sign industry uses. Uh, so there was that technical connection as well. Gotcha. Talk a little bit about the business model. So I think a lot of people are interested in starting a business and yours is your situation, I think, may be a little atypical. So I think a lot, you know, a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, maybe they've always thought about running a greenhouse or, you know, it's been a lifelong kind of dream to, to do something or maybe they you know, work a computer support person and decided, you know, they started gigging and then decided to have their own computer support business. So it was kind of a, a natural evolution for you, though. It sounds like you were more, more open. And so 
how did you actually get started doing this? I mean, it's very hard without knowing the right equipment and how to find customers to just sort of jump into something like that. Exactly. And Doris, that's a great question because I really did not have plans to open my own business, but I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to have been contacted by someone who asked me about franchising opportunities. And honestly, I wasn't really interested in, in starting a franchise that was not, not the right fit for me. And he presented me with a different model organization. So the model that he showed me was similar to a franchise in that there's an organization called Sign World. And when you invest in that, they provide you, first of all, the best equipment in the industry. They teach you how to use it, how to make signs. They provide you the training in marketing, sales, operations, et cetera. And a lot of that I had already had because of my years in, in corporate America. And the membership also comes with a lifetime of technical support and an access to an international network of uh, fellow sign world owners. So it's really more of a business owners alliance that supports you in a variety of different ways. But it's different from a franchise, however, in that you can call your company whatever you want. There are no ongoing franchise fees. There are no rules. So basically you can buy your materials from wherever you want. You can sell the kind of signs that you want you make the rules. So if I decide, for example, I just want to make the yard signs that you see in people's yards, I can do that. I probably won't be in business for a long time, but um, (laughs) but yeah, there's no franchise that says, no, you must offer all of these types of things and you can't deviate from that. And you must buy our marketing materials and stuff. And, And that really appealed to me. It was a little bit more entrepreneurial. Um, that I could really make a lot of those decisions and not not have everything um, dictated. Yeah, I mean, one of the attractions, I think, to most franchisees is that you have some geographic protection or some protection in your space. So theoretically, if mm-hmm. 100 people listen to this show and they all decide they want to start a sign company... <laughs> That's not a good thing, right? Well, that's true. Although uh, with Sign World, you do have the same type of geographic protection. Uh, <laughs> so you, you do have that. But it's a little bit more uh, of, an, of a, um, I don't know if I should say the, use the word gentleman's agreement, because that seems a little, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we, it's more of a gentle person. Thank you. A gentle person's agreement that we don't kind of infringe on other people's territories. But um, if somebody contacts you, uh, for example, uh, my territories are are in a short radius from where my shop is located. But if I wanted to go two towns over, if somebody contacted me from two towns over and said, I'd really like a sign, I would probably give a little courtesy call to the sign world owner in that area and say, is this a current customer of yours? And if they say no, you know, if it's not, then we have an agreement that no, go ahead, you can make a sign for them. But if they say, boy, that's one of my regular customers, I would probably pass on that opportunity. Interesting. So talk about some of the kinds of support that the Alliance has provided you. You know, the, the advantage of a franchise too, it restricts you, but also can be 
a nice blueprint sometimes to sure. I mean if you're McDonald's and you have a McDonald's franchise, that's the most extreme version yeah. of the franchise, right? I mean, they tell you these are the patties you use, this is exactly how you make the sauce, this is exactly how long you fry the fries for. There exactly. is not any real deviation. And if you deviate, you're not gonna have your franchise for very long. Absolutely. So, but, uh -huh. you know, but that can, for some people, that can provide a good structure because, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. because people, you know, the company is giving you a template for your franchise. What does the, the Sign World Alliance give you as part of its support? What, what have you found most helpful from them? Well, I think, uh, and, and they do provide a, a bit of a template for you, at least getting out, uh, getting started. And I think you're absolutely right, Doris, the franchise, that's one of the brilliant things about having a franchise is they teach you exactly how they want you to produce a product. In the sign world world, they do the same thing. They show you how to make the different types of signs, but there are a variety of different ways to make some similar signs. For example, somebody might say, I would like a sign out front of my building that uh, advertises my business. Well, we could make a metal sign. We could make a, a sign out of plastic. We could make a stone monument. We could make an electrical <laughs> box. All kinds of different uh, options yeah. for that. But yeah. one of the great things about the support network here is that one of the first things when you come out of training and our, our headquarters is out in Southern California and you go to training for a couple of weeks and when you come out, they hook you up with no less than 10 fellow sign world owners in your local geography and you get to go and spend a day or two days uh, with these guys and shadow them and they teach you, you know, Here's the real world. Let me show you what uh, what are some of the things, some of the things that they learned as they started out their business. And, and they give you tips of the trade. And uh, we develop friendships and bonds that uh, have been wonderful, that have been wonderful. I, I'll give you an example. One of the things starting out, I ran out of some material. I needed to produce a banner and we were running, we were running so many banners at that time. I wasn't keeping track of my inventory as close as I should have. <laughs> I just called up one of the other sign guys and they said, yeah, let me give you, how much do you need? Do you need 50 feet or do you need the whole roll? And uh, no problem. They gave me a roll of banner material and I ordered another one to replace it. But uh, we bail each other out. We take care of each other. It was really wow. nice. That is great. Well, let's talk a little bit about your customer base. So okay. talk about some of the typical kinds of clients you, you work with and help. Okay. Well, um, it's a great question because I think what's great about this line of work is that almost every type of business needs signage. Uh, whether you have a storefront or you work from home, you need some type of signs. So we've designed and made everything from exterior and interior signs that you'd see in stores to uh, vehicle wraps, car magnets, stickers and decals for the home businesses. And we do window graphics, electrical box signs, trade show displays. So there's really not a typical client. Basically, a typical client is anybody who has their own business. And that's an interesting question, which is whether your clients are businesses or individuals. So, you know, if my daughter's having her 21st birthday party and I want to have a big yard sign that says, you know, happy uh -huh. birthday, Julia, do you Absolutely. do that? 
So you do, you do individuals as well as businesses then. I'll tell you, Doris, that when, uh, when COVID-19 hit and a lot of the businesses closed up, one of the things that happened uh, was we had somebody who said, my son is turning nine years old and he can't have a party. Is there any way would you guys make a banner for him? And we did. And she posted that on Facebook and wow, it just took off. Uh, you know, people wow. would comment on it. This is a beautiful banner. Who made this for you? And our business just took off in the community. So we developed relationships with our community, with um, the moms in the organization. I, I don't know if I should mention, you know, the, the Facebook groups that I became part of, just providing signage for graduations and for uh, birthday parties and anniversaries. So it was it was not actually part of our design or part of the plan to do that. We were mostly business to business, but when we started doing work for individuals, uh, we loved it. It was great. It was wonderful to work with, with people in our neighborhoods and um, provide them with signage that they didn't even realize that they could get. So uh, we've really loved it. Wow, it's, it's like a great, great business opportunity, which just goes to show out of every downturn, there are ways to take advantage of it. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done. I, I know one thing is I would have loved to have had the, the contract to print up all those yard signs that people have out, which he, heroes yeah. work here and thank you first responders because Whoever was making those signs, I don't know if it was you, but somebody, we, somebody we did, did fine. Yeah, we did a fair amount of them, I'll, I'll tell you. We uh, we did quite a few. Well, good, good. And, you know, it's neat because I'm sure some of the signs that you make, like the story you told about the nine-year-old and their birthday, but some of the signs I'm sure are you know, they're not just cut and dried. There's a story behind it. It probably is fun to be able to, to relate to the stories behind them. Yeah. Well, actually, I'll correct you on that because every sign we make is a custom sign. So that when we're making signs for birthdays or anniversaries or whatever, uh, what we like to do is say, well, tell me what uh, what they like. Tell me what your kid loves to do. And we've done signs with uh with disney characters with fortnite with uh paw patrol is a real big popular one with the three-year-olds and, <laughs> and barbies and just a ton but we always want to make it custom for that person to make it special yeah you know i'm sure there's a lot of competition in your space how do you set yourself apart well i would say the large majority of my career has been spent leading Fortune 500 companies. Uh, we talked about that with the customer service organizations. So taking care of the customer and really listening to what they want and need is a key. Um, and I think that's true with any business, but but you really do have to take that to heart and, and really put the customer first. Plus, we, we also spared no expense to get the best machines in the business. And I have an extremely talented graphic artist so we make some really beautiful signs. I'm sure that's a place where you can, if you're in the business, and maybe even if you're not in the business, you can really see where their quality is, whether it's, and I don't know, what are the kinds of things that 
people should look for if they want to see if, if their sign that they're looking yeah. at or that they had done is really good quality. What are some and, of the kinds of yeah. things that you would know when you say, ah, eh, not so great, or wow, that, that, is, that was really well done? Yeah. yeah, that is actually an excellent question because you're right. There are, and I hate to say it, but there are some sign makers out there that you know, they just look at it as that's a sign. You know, the customer says, I want to sign and advertises in my business. Great. Make that sign for them. And it accomplishes the task. But what makes a great sign and what we try to do with all, every sign that we do is, first of all, we say, what is it that you want this sign to accomplish? Is it that you want to draw people into the business and bring them in off the sidewalk? Is it that you want to inform them of something uh, warn them of something, maybe like the COVID-19 uh, warning posters and social distancing. Everything has a purpose. Every sign should have a purpose. Why is it there? And then once you know that purpose, there's a number of factors that go into it. How far away do you want to be able to read that sign? That dictates the size of the letters. A lot of the, the trouble that people find is that they, they put too much information on sign and people aren't going to stop and read it. So you need to make sure that you're getting the message out short, sweet. Colors are very important as well. Certain colors emote different types of emotions. That's why you see like McDonald's and some of the fast foods, they'll use the reds and the orange and yellow, the, the warmer colors. Different colors will bring forth different different feelings. So Color is important, size is important, uh, spacing is important, the words you put on it is important. It's really uh, it's really a, a, an art as well as a science. I, I, I gather that from listening to you talk, that it's really about Can you design. tell I'm passionate about science? <laughs> no, I think that's great. You know, a good sign is memorable, right? And um, noticing right. one jumps out at you and I'm sure there are a lot of signs that I've walked by. Most of us have walked by every day and we probably never noticed them. Exactly. And, and maybe that's okay. Maybe they weren't meant to be noticed, but I suspect there's a lot of signs that just blend into the woodwork because yeah. maybe because whoever designed them didn't put as much thought into it as you might. Or maybe they've just been there for a long time and people just have gone by that sign for 10 years and have never, don't give it a second thought, but boy, you change that sign now. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, did that business just, is that a new business? No, I've never noticed that before. And that's you know, great. That's, and I, yeah. that's an interesting marketing idea that I hadn't thought of, which is probably a really a relatively low cost way to boost your marketing is if you haven't changed your signs, for a while, it might be worth thinking about. Absolutely. It's, it's probably one of those things, exactly as you say, that if you change it, people will notice, stop and they'll, they may not notice if the sign has changed, they'll notice something is different. Exactly, yes. Hmm, interesting. I want you to hold those thoughts. We're gonna take a quick break <laughs> for station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors. Folks, we'll be right back with Randy Rice, the president of Shirley Signs. I'm Doris Nagel, and you're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. With us this week is our guest, Randy Rice, who's the president of a local Chicago company called Shirley Signs. 
Randy, before the break, we were talking a little bit about the story of how you got started and who your clients are and what makes you passionate about your business. It might be a good opportunity at this point to maybe pivot just a little bit and talk about some of the challenges of running a business. You know, I can relate to your background because like you, I spent a lot of time in corporate America and there are certain things I think, at least I found that big companies prepare you really well for, unexpectedly well for, and then other things, not so much. What do you think for you has been the hardest thing about starting a business and owning and running one? Uh, that's a great question, uh, Doris. For me, it's the wearing of so many hats at the same time. Um, I ran operations for a variety of companies in my career. I know the intricacies of various departments, but as an owner, you have to be able to separate yourself from much of the day-to-day -day operations and remain focused on the bigger picture of growing the business. Something that I learned from a, a book called The E-Myth Revisited, which I'm sure yeah. you and your hosts have, have all known. Yeah, yeah, great book. If I remember the stories about somebody who makes cupcakes and she loves right. making cupcakes, mm -hmm. but she doesn't realize that she can't just sit in her kitchen and make cupcakes all day. <laughs> there's, there's a whole lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So what parts have you found for you personally that were the hardest well, to learn or to juggle? Well, I'd say probably the biggest challenge was that there's so many different types of signs and so many different ways you can make a sign. And you want to make sure you're providing what the customer wants and still be able to fit it into their price range. A lot of small business owners will get an initial sticker shock when they find out that uh, an electronic messaging board with a really fancy neon lights and or LEDs can cost in the tens of thousands of dollars by the time you've built it, installed it, run electricity to it. So fortunately, with our network of other sign shop owners, I can usually find someone who's done some kind of sign before and has some alternate solutions and is willing to help you along. Have you ever had an unhappy customer or a difficult employee that you had to deal with? Um, no, I've been very fortunate. Well, there, I think you always will have someone who um, will be a little unhappy. I've never had a, an unhappy or, or a difficult uh, employee. I've been very fortunate in that area. And that is, I think, a, I can attribute to many, many years of uh, going through hiring processes with the companies that I have and uh, getting some excellent training from corporate America on how to do behavioral interviewing and um, how to hire the right employees. So we've been very fortunate with the employee uh, that I have right now. As far as customers, again, I've been very, very happy with uh, the customers that I've had, and I think they've all been very happy with, with the, uh, us. We uh, make sure that we're, I think the key to a happy customer is making sure that you stay in communication with them. So when somebody comes to you and they want to buy your product, so in this case, a sign, you really need to communicate back and forth to really understand what is it that they're after? What do they want to accomplish with this? Get the ideas that they have in their head and, um, and feed it back to them. Active listening is a very good skill to have so you can 
provide them with some artwork, show them a mock-up of how this is going to look when it's all done. And uh, once they see that, then there's no surprises at the end. I think sign shops or people in my business uh, miss the boat when somebody comes and picks up a sign and they're surprised. You should never be surprised mm-hmm. when you're picking up your product. You should, it should be exactly exactly what you were expecting, exactly what you uh, had seen before. Hmm. I'm curious whether you follow up with leads that you get from customers. I personally never cease to be amazed, and I, and I can't tell if it's because they're really bad business people or they're just so good and have so much business that they don't need to. But, you know, somebody that I'll say, well, if I could quote on this, and then I never hear from them again. You know, there, you know, there's never a follow-up. And I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on that. You know, I, I'm so glad you asked that question because when I was doing my exploration into what kind of business I wanted to start, that was one of the things that Sign World challenged me with. They said, uh, pick any kind of sign. Pretend you're a business owner and you want to um, you want to put an A-frame sign outside of your restaurant, your small shop. They said, call 10 sign shop owners, because that was my my concern. I said, boy, aren't there a lot of sign shops out there? They said, call 10 sign shop owners, and you'll be surprised at the responses that you get, or quite frankly, the lack of response that you get. And I did that. And you know that out of the 10 sign shop owners that I called, only four people called me back, and only really one, when I said, "Ah, I'm not really sure what I want, I want this and that, only one actually tried to work with me to figure out what kind of a sign I wanted. Most of them didn't even call you back. And I thought, wow, that's that's really kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm just thinking of the personal service people that I've had come and give me estimates and then they don't ever follow up. And yet the other yeah. day I had called a music store and I was interested in looking at pianos, but I said I I'm not going to come in today. And the guy, out of the blue, he kept my number and called me and said, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. I was wondering if you'd still be, you're still interested. And I thought, wow, now there's, there's customer service. That's great. Yeah. Because it's so rare. In fact, I can tell you a a true story that happened with us uh, just the other week. Uh, I had given a quote to a potential customer right in our in our town in in Mundelein, and uh, they thought it was a little bit high, which I can understand. There's a little bit of sticker shock, but we we let it go there. And a couple of weeks later, I was talking to a different supplier of materials, and I found that I could get the same material from this other supplier for a bit cheaper. So I emailed the person back and I said, hey, you know, I know you were a little bit concerned about the price on this. I was able to source it from another supplier. And now what if I reduce the price to this? Could you, would it fall within your budget to do that? And, and, you know, or maybe we can do some other creative ideas to maybe um, make it fit and make it work for you. So don't give up just because somebody says, and I I would say this to all of your listeners, if somebody says, no, I'm going to say no, Find out the reason why, and if it's a reason that you can you can uh, work with, such as price, find some other alternatives because you may not have lost that customer the first time. So I would recommend, highly recommend, follow up and continue to follow up. And if even if you don't get that deal, at least you've started building a relationship with that customer. 
So I don't know yet if I'm going to get this sign opportunity, but I know I'm building a relationship with him. And uh, even if he decides to keep his big, large overhead sign and not get a new one, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get maybe some smaller signs that'll fit in his business. Well, and in a business like yours too, I'm sure word of mouth is important. And I don't know about you, but I'm always amazed at where clients come from. And sometimes it's not the client that I thought was going to send me the business, but they then gave my name to somebody else. And, Absolutely. you know, so you just, you just, you don't know where that relationship is going to go. Absolutely. In fact, if I could share another little story with you, um, the other day we had a corporation who um, inquired about some signage and uh, they gave me their name and I said, you know, your name sounds really familiar. Do we know each other? And they said, yes, you made a birthday banner for my kid about four weeks ago. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, so I had a corporate connection there because, you know, everybody who's got these these birthdays and stuff like that, most of them have got, are working for a corporation and you just never know when you might get that connection. Ah, that's a great story. So yeah. you've been doing this for about a year. Where ideally would you like to see your business go? I mean, what, what would it look like maybe in three years? Well, I'd say the immediate goal is to build up a client base of repetitive, loyal customers that we can keep happy. In three years, going on to five years, I'd like to have several employees taking over a number of the daily tasks that need to be done. Uh, because I'd like to spend the majority of the day of my day cultivating new clients and new businesses and uh, not having to, to uh, work on the day-to-day -day stuff as far as prioritizing and ordering supplies and invoicing and all of that stuff. Yeah, the working in the business yeah. as opposed to on the business, right? Absolutely right, right. Well, it's a little early to ask you this, but do you think you'll ever get tired of working in signs? And if so, what else might you do? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you ask that because I seriously doubt it. When I was doing the exploratory phase of what my next career move would be, I interviewed a number of other sign shop owners and sign makers, and with just about 100% agreement, everyone said that they still love their jobs, and every day, every sign is different. There's new challenges every day, new things to learn, and it's a great adventure. It sounds like it. It sounds like a great way to build connections with people on a very personal level in a way that maybe lots of businesses don't have the opportunity to do. Looking back at your journey so far, what advice would you give to other people who are thinking about starting a business or maybe just getting started? Uh, I would say number one is make sure you have enough capital to sustain you through your startup period. Calculate what you think you need and then double it because you just never know. There's always things that you may have forgotten and, and there might be an expense that you said, oh, wow, I forgot to, uh, to budget for my own personal experience. I forgot to budget um, creating a logo, you know, something simple as, as that. I had my name, but I hadn't made a logo up and, and I'm not an artist mm -hmm. myself, not personally. So um, uh -huh. 
Yeah, so I mean, like little things, just make sure that you have enough capital to sustain you through that startup period. And just in case you don't have customers beating down your door when you open them up. But I would also say, this is really important. Reach out for help and don't be afraid to ask for help. Even if you're part of a franchise, join the local chamber of commerce. Uh, go to uh, someone like, and I'm going to drop a name here, Mitch Bienvenue, who runs the Small Business Development Center over at College of Lake County, or one of the other uh, small business development centers at some of the local colleges. There are people out there, and there are retired businessmen and businesswomen out there who are great resources and a great source of knowledge and wisdom. And, and a lot of them are doing it for free. They'll help you out for free just because they want to give back. Great, great, great advice. Well, we have just a few minutes left, and I would love to talk about our shared interest for just a minute, the Kirk Players. They are a local community theater group that I think more people should know about. They produce some, in my own humble opinion, some very high-quality productions. Randy, talk a little bit about the Kirk Players and what you do with them and what the Kirk Players does and why you know why you are involved with them oh great yes i'd love to talk about the kirk players they are first of all they are a not-for-profit organization based out of mundelein who act as a community theater for the area they produce three main stage shows a year including a children's show uh, which is where they also involve the kids in the community They've been around for over 54 years, and one of the really cool things is they give all their profits away to other charitable organizations. Lately, they've been focused on promoting the arts in our community with uh, gifts and scholarships to the local high schools. And uh, I think the way, if I remember right, the way you came to us was through a free summer workshop. Um, But we do summer workshops as well. Yeah, you do. How did I come there, actually? Oops. Oh, I know. So a friend of mine taught with Jeff. She She's oh, a math okay. teacher, and she had suggested, because she had been, um, I don't know, talking to him about it, she said, you really should give Jeff a call and find out more about the Kirk players. So that's actually um, how I became great. involved with them. And then, and so yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, and so there's another story about how you never know how relationships and how connections take off in very interesting ways sometimes. So true. And the way I came to Kirk Players was I had been coaching my son's sports teams, baseball and football. And my daughter came to me and said, Dad, you, you're not, you don't do anything with me. What's going on? <laughs> well, after the guilt subsided, oh, worst father ever. Uh, I said, what do you want to do, honey? And I was not into theater at the time. And she said, let's try out for a show together. And I said, okay, let's, let's give it a wow. shot. Wow, aren't you brave? Yeah. <laughs> so we both tried out for a Kirk Player show, and we both got cast. And uh, I've been with them for a little over 15 years now. I've appeared in about 22 shows. My daughter's gone on to uh, get married and have babies and, and that sort of thing. So she's out of the curb bears now, but I'm still there. And now I've, uh, I've been serving on the board of directors for uh, most of the time that I've been with the, with the organization. Fantastic. 
Well, obviously, the Kirk players has been affected by, uh, as have many of the organizations, maybe even most of the organizations that have something to do with the arts because of COVID-19. But I know that we have hopes of being able to return to the community, at least in some form, to to provide quality theater to to people who I'm sure need it more than ever. Yes. Yeah, I think think we need that. So folks, check out the Kirk Players. Um, Randy, I don't... Uh, do you know the Kirk Players website uh, off the top of your head? Uh, as a matter of fact, I do because uh, actually we started it. Uh, it is www.kirkplayers.org. Fantastic. Now, one final question, which is how can people reach you? So maybe they're interested in learning more about franchises, maybe they're interested in sign business, maybe they want to talk to you about Kirk players or just find you relatable and want to shoot the breeze with you. What's the best way to reach you? Well, I thought you'd never ask. Um, <laughs> that would be that would be great. Let me give you, if it's all right, I can give you my uh, website is www. Okay, dot shirleysigns.com, and that's spelled S-U-R-E-L-Y-S-I-G-N-S.com. So shirleysigns.com. You can email me at randy, R-A-N-D-Y, at shirleysigns.com. Or you can give us a call at uh, 224-223-4084. And would love to talk with anyone. If you've got signage needs, great. If you've got questions about starting a business or being an entrepreneur, love to chat with you about that. If it's about giving back to the community, I think that's super important. And if you just want to shoot the breeze, great. Maybe maybe we can actually have a beverage at a local establishment and, and shoot the breeze. Great. Well, Randy, we're about out of time, and I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time to appear on our show, The Savvy Entrepreneur, here today. Thanks again. Oh, thank you, Doris. I really, uh, really had a great time. Thank you. Me too. All right, folks, <laughs> we have just enough time to talk about a couple of questions that have come in from our listeners. You know, I spend a lot of time here at my company, Globalosity on helping companies partner more effectively. Most businesses at some point see the need to partner with other businesses, key suppliers, key service providers like marketing or legal, maybe outsource sales, maybe it's research and development, or it could be a master distributor, all sorts of business partnerships. And, you know, partnerships are a great form of expanding your reach, either in terms of reaching new customers, Um, developing expertise quickly that uh, is much cheaper and faster than trying to find somebody to hire, especially when maybe you don't even need a full-time person to do that, or it's a fairly specialized area where it's just easier to partner with another business who is an expert in that area. You know, a number of small service companies, both of the callers, depend on what I call the referral model, 
where other service providers in an adjacent space or a parallel complementary marketing space refer clients to each other. So I wanted to offer a few thoughts on this. And first, let's just talk about what the model is. So I suppose a, maybe a classic referral model might be accountants and lawyers. For example, you might have a lawyer who specializes in helping people set up their wills or trusts or maybe make changes to them. And they may spot potential tax issues. And so they might frequently refer their clients to a trusted accounting firm that they know or have confidence will help their clients sort out those issues. And the accounting firm may very well have clients that need help with their trust and estate issues and refer them to the lawyer. And so a mutually beneficial source of referral clients grows. And that is how I think a lot of service businesses through word of mouth develop a really stable client base over time. But a lot of these referral relationships, frankly, are more one-sided. So sometimes that's okay. For example, I recently bought a house and I needed somebody to look at the roof during the home inspection. I also needed the floors redone after I bought the house. And both times my realtor had great recommendations at her fingertips, which I really appreciated. And no doubt this realtor was probably a terrific source of new business for both of these two companies, but it's probably unlikely that they would refer an equivalent amount of business to her of people looking to buy a new house. Uh, maybe, but probably not as much. But she, I'm sure, views it as a benefit to have these companies at her fingertips because then she gets high marks from her happy clients who are probably more likely to refer her to their friends, their neighbors, uh, families who are looking to buy or sell their house. The challenge both of my two listeners had, though, was this, and I've certainly experienced it myself as a service provider. You can find lots of companies who claim they will help refer business, but all too often they end up being pretty one-sided, and that can be quite frustrating. Trust me, I know from personal experience, you can waste a lot of time cultivating relationships with companies who, frankly, clearly want access to your clients, but really don't have much to offer you. Yeah, I'll give another example from my personal life. You know, one of the things that, that I helped companies with for a long time was helping them expand internationally, set up new subsidiaries, find new distributors internationally deal with uh, legal and business issues as they expanded internationally. And I had a translation company. I've actually had uh, several translation companies approach me because they thought that my client base would be a good source of business for them. And they were probably right. We'll meld them all into one and call them the accurate translation company. There's a high likelihood that some of our clients, my clients, if we had asked them, and educated them on the benefits of accurate translation instead of using things like Google Translate or a budget translator, particularly if it was pretty technical kinds of translations needed. But so what? Even if those clients had actually used accurate translation, maybe our clients might have had a moderately better view of us because they view us as being a helpful resource, but Accurate Translations wasn't even offering a referral fee. So it would have to be pretty darn 
convenient happened to come up because, you know, here's the problem. Even if they offered a fee, it would be difficult to make it work because it would take time and effort on the part of my company to really ask probing questions to clients about their translation needs. So it would have to be a trusted client. Think about it. You know, you're asking somebody to help you to set up a subsidiary and they start asking you questions about, do you use a translating service and couldn't you do better doing that? And, you know, they might get a little bit suspicious or push back. You know, sometimes clients appreciate it when I tell them, hey, I don't get a referral fee for this. I'm just trying to help you. So that helps you get legitimacy. But, you know, the reality is even with a referral fee, we're not in the business of trying to sell other companies' services on a commission-only basis. The other problem is, is that accurate translations almost never would be able to refer any business to us. In order for them to do that, so think about you have a translation project, you send it out for bids to some translation companies, and they start asking you probing questions about your international expansion plans and how you're structured, and you'd probably push back and go, look, buddy, or lady, I just want a translation. I just want a simple quote. Don't be asking me all these questions. I don't really need that. But, you know, the problem goes further than that, which is that even if the client was intrigued by this and Accurate Translations was willing to do this, in order for them to ask probing questions like that, they would really need a lot of coaching and training by us. So, you know, you start to see the problem. They're often, even on the surface, if it seems like there's a nice parallel offering of services. The problem is, is that we're very focused on trying as it is just to sell the clients, get the clients what they need, solve their particular problem as they perceive it, and not trying to invent other problems for them. It is truly rare, I think, when you have a true, true partnership when it comes to service provider referrals. And in my experience, it usually works best when there's a strong personal relationship between the principals. And it often tends to work best when they are both very small companies. So I'll give you another example. I had an export financing company that came to me, and they were a pretty big company. The individual understood we needed to really help each other and be proactive in helping each other. But before too long, her superiors changed their position and said, no, you know, we only want to do business with referral people. We'll only share our client base with them if they bring us business first. So all the effort that this lady and I had put into developing a relationship was kind of out the window. Uh, As you can imagine, that's quite off-putting to say, hey, I'm not sharing anything unless you prove to me you can deliver me business. So that, unfortunately, that relationship didn't go any further. So I think that in addition to having a strong personal relationship, you need to really think about the complementary nature of the services. It needs to be one in which they can really refer business to you and you can refer business to them. And then thirdly, I think there needs to be a very strong commitment to really 
helping each other. And that is going to require an investment of time on both companies' parts and a level of trust that probably only gets built up over time, frankly. So, for example, accurate translations again. Even if I was willing to really push my clients and actively probe them, I didn't have a track record with accurate translations. So what if accurate translations made my client really unhappy? Wow, that would really be bad. So, you know, the other piece of advice, I think, from experience is you have to build slowly and you have to choose your shots carefully because this takes up a lot of time and can distract you from other resources. And frankly, you'll probably need to, unless you're really lucky, spend some time with a variety of different potential partners before you really find one that you could develop a true partnership and really develop the mutual referrals that I think is the goal of most companies when they start out these discussions. I hope that was helpful. Thanks to our two listeners. Well, that's our show for this week. I want to thank everybody for listening in. And again, a special thank you to our guest today, Randy Rice, who is the founder and the president of a local sign company called Shirley Signs here in the greater Chicago area. Now, you can find more helpful information and resources on my website, which is www.globalocityservices.com. There's a library of blogs, tools, podcasts, and other resources there. Now, be sure to join us next Saturday when our guest will be Beth Pride. She is the president of a company called BPE Global, and she's going to join us to talk about some of the ins and outs of importing products and components from outside the U.S. and also of exporting products to customers outside the country. So it should be a really interesting discussion. So be sure not to miss it. But until then... I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurial.